just trying to go to AA. Yeah. Just trying to, like, work through. I would straight up leave. You're just trying to get help. And I'd some be- ass walks in talking about a rat king and the fact that he had rabies. I'd be like, what does this have to do with anything? I'd be like, you know what? I thought this was a group of my peers, but I see that it is not. You, you are in a different, you are a different species of person. <laughs> yeah. Hello and welcome to our Riverdale podcast brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 26-year-old actor and artist. I like brooding anti-heroes, feminist eugenists, and I remember way too many details that no one else cares about. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere, and our fun fact for this episode is, like, what is your favorite type of art, or, like, art, or, like, painting? Art style. Like yeah, art what, style. What makes your brain go Um, there's a lot of different, like, fan art that I see on, like, Twitter and stuff that I think is, like, so freaking cool, but I think my official answer is just gonna be, like, Impressionism. A lot of Van Gogh's stuff is a good, uh, example of Impressionism. Starry Night itself is an Impressionist painting, mm-hmm. so... There you go. That's what I'm going to choose. I like it. I like your choice. Thanks. And my name is Brittany Ray. I'm a 31-year-old artist and writer. I like badass moms and long naps. I'm on Twitter at Britannia, where I can be found attempting to be interesting and talking about my cat. And lately losing my mind over Vera Farmiga. Um, Such a mood. My, I have like two different answers to this because there's a type of art that I like to create and the type of art that I like to consume. I like to create minimalist art. Like, I really love negative space. Like, minimalist negative space is like my jam. But I like to consume the weirdest possible art. Mm. The uglier something is, the more I like it. Like, I am the person you market the blank canvas towards. Mm. Like, there's a blank canvas, like, there. And I'm not deriving any meaning from seeing, like, an all-black canvas in an art gallery. But I do think it's hilarious. Yeah. Like, I'm not there to interpret it. I'm there to be entertained by it. Mm -hmm. Like, when I went to the Metropolitan Museum of Art and there was a gallery of old technology, I thought that was the coolest thing I'd ever seen in my life. Mm -hmm. You know? I'm not a deep thinker. I just like... To look at things. So the weirder the things are, the better. Mm -hmm. And my name is Samantha Coley. I'm a 28-year-old television critic. I like over 40s OTPs and making playlists. I'm on Twitter at Sam Casey's, where you can find me yelling about television and fangirling middle-aged actresses. (laughs) And um, my favorite art style is, like, um, minimalist meets mid-century modern. Like, the things that I am most drawn to are, like, the art style of the video game Firewatch and also um, The Incredibles. So, like, all of that, like, that mid-century style with the meets minimalism meets retro, um, retro vibes with, uh, like, shade shaded color palettes. Um, that's that's my jam. Yeah. Also, anything Brittany makes. Oh, uh, thanks, baby. <laughs> um, and speaking of babies, uh... <laughs> You guys may remember last episode, if you listened to the dog talk, um, you might have heard, uh, and across our various podcasts, that uh, we got a dog. We got a puppy. His name is Daily, um, but we call him Pickle. So you can follow him on Instagram if you want, at the Daily Pickle. Um, that's D-A-L-E-Y. Yeah. Yep. And um, he is currently playing with a sock. So if you hear any, like, little growls or whatever, he's just sitting there entertaining himself, basically. And sometimes he makes sounds. And they're little puppy sounds, so you should appreciate them. They're extremely charming. I say go be You get to talk. Get to talk. Get it then. I'm done. Okay. Go sit down and have a nap, I'm done. Look. He's so small. He's a Yorkie Poo, and he is three months old. So 
He is just learning, and he is uh, very small. I'm so. obsessed with him. Like, he's so cute. It, like, he fits in the palm of my hand. So just please, um, your uh, cooperations and your cooperation and patience while I cannot edit out every single little dog sound. Yeah. Thanks. Leave them in. They're cute. Yeah. Today we have words to say about episode 514 of Riverdale, The Night Gallery. So, Night Gallery is an American anthology television series. It aired on NBC from December 16th, 1970 to May 27th, 1973. Uh, it featured stories of horror and the macabre. Uh, Rod Serling, who had gained fame from an earlier series, The Twilight Zone. <laughs> That's okay, Bubba. Uh, served both as the on-air host of Night Gallery and as a major contributor of scripts, although he did not have the same control of content and tone as he had on The Twilight Zone. Serling viewed Night Gallery as a logical extension of The Twilight Zone, but while both series shared an interest in thought-provoking dark fantasy, more of Zone's offerings were science fiction, while Night Gallery focused more on horrors of the supernatural. I think that we had, like, in season two, the, like, triptych episode was also named after, like, a, an episodic anthology series, so it's cool that they did that again. Nice. So, I went on the Riverdale wiki to see if maybe there were some, like, cute little fun facts about this episode, and did you guys know this is the first episode in the entire series to not feature Veronica? Veronica. I, oh my god, that I makes sense. Notice. It felt weird. Or Camila. Yeah. So, it also said, therefore, finally now, no character has appeared in every single episode. Huh. It says Lily and KJ have been in every single episode, but as different characters. That's fair. Oh, right, 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 right. So Lily and KJ are the only actors who have been in every single episode, but not, but no character has ever been in every single episode as of this episode when we didn't see Veronica. Okay. Huh. That cool. makes sense. All right. Cool. So let's do a uh, tutor boot, Brittany. Um, I'm going to give it a newt. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked Archie's storyline, but Jughead's was both the funniest thing I've ever seen and the worst thing I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. So that really dragged the the grade down. That's completely understandable. Thank you. <laughs> Sam? Uh, I'm also going to give it a newt. I enjoyed Betty's storyline, um, but I thought the other two were weird. Uh, I'm going to give it a... Because each of you only liked one of the storylines. I want to say that I liked two of the storylines. I liked the two that you guys liked, mm-hmm. but no one could ever... Enjoy what it, happened to Jughead. Yeah, I didn't want to say that because <laughs> I was like, I don't know if, if somebody listening is like, oh, I loved the Jughead storyline. It was very strange. Uh, I did not care for it. <laughs> I think if someone loved the Jughead storyline, it's more that they thought it yeah. was funny it's and camp. they loved exactly. <laughs> yeah, I saw this TikTok recently that was like, uh, "Okay, so what you're saying is that this show has really weird and bad writing. What I'm hearing is it's camp, and watching all of the seasons of it is actually me consuming high art." That's <laughs> and I was that's like, it, "That's yeah. exactly what I'm doing. I'm sure. just talking about high art here." Definitely. So I'm going to give it a toot. It's on the lower end of toot because I liked the Archie storyline and I liked the Betty storyline, but like you said, the Jughead storyline really just brings it down. Yeah, it brings the great down. Yeah. So, uh, like I said, it was one of the triptych episodes. If you didn't watch the episode, which some people who listen to this don't, and that's fine, the way that it went was all of Archie's storyline, all of Betty's storyline, and all of Jughead's storyline, but it would kill me inside to have to talk about Jughead last. Um, so we're going to be doing it, uh, Jughead, Archie, and Betty. That's hysterical. Okay. Yeah, so that's what we're going to be doing. So I did a very short summary of the Jughead storyline. Because it was stupid. Yeah, so in the Jughead storyline, Jughead has figured out what happened to him during those missing days. He, 
he tells the whole story in an AA meeting. It's a lot, and we'll get into the details in a second, but basically he was mad that Betty couldn't come to his book party, so he went on a bender and found himself in a hospital a few days later. Turns out he didn't go to his own book launch, got super high, fell into a sinkhole, got covered in rats, hallucinated a rat king who he read his book to, then he hallucinated Betty saving him, but it turns out he was just covered in rats and got rabies. <laughs> he climbed out somehow and got taken to the hospital, but how did they know he had rabies? Who knows, because he would have died before they could know realistically. There's more, there is more, but that's the gist of it, and honestly, Jughead's earlier stuff this season was really fun, but if Cole wanted to leave because of this episode and this episode alone, I would support him. I would 100%, I'd be like, you know what, that's fair. Yeah. So, the sort of, like, weaving of the stories in this is that Minerva has come to Cheryl's house, and um, is, like, looking at some of her paintings, and so we'll talk about the beginning of that sort of thing when we're talking about the Archie storyline, but basically Cheryl is explaining and introducing each of her paintings beforehand. Mm -hmm. So since Jughead was technically last in the episode, we're talking about him first. I wanted to mention that. So she shows her Jughead portrait to Minerva. He's got a crown. He's on a throne and he's, he's covered in rats. So our main question about this and about the Betty portrait that she also does is how does Cheryl know about these things? I didn't right, like question it. Cause presumably it's happening like in the present, you know, it's not yeah. something that she heard about later. Um, so I don't know how she knows about this, but I think that's just something that we kind of have to, like, whatever it's about. Riverdale. Yeah, it's Riverdale. Oh my god, I didn't even think about that. Because, uh, like, especially with, like, the Betty stuff, and, yeah, like, Betty is, like, wielding a... chainsaw. Exactly, so. She talks about how he's caught between fact and fiction, and it's about the stories that we tell to survive. And so you're telling me that Jughead, to survive, told him a story, himself a story, about the Rat King. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what they're saying. So, hope you don't mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So he's at this AA meeting, and he basically explains the whole thing during this AA meeting, and then we're seeing flashbacks, really. Yes. And so they're like, hey, does anyone new want to start? And so he's new, and so I guess he's starting. Yeah. Can you Um, imagine going to AA, and this is the story you get told? I literally wrote that down. I was like, after he finishes all of this, and they're like, okay. How do you go next? I'd be like, well, I'm just uh, struggling with drinking a lot, and that's my main thing. You know? Yeah, like, (laughs) like, I'm sorry that I would feel pressure to be like, I saw him off, man. Yeah. <laughs> and Jack would be like, tell me more about that. But so he, he gives his full name, and I don't think you're supposed to do that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because it's Alcoholics Anonymous. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, it's not anonymous. Well, I guess I guess name. he gives it because he's like, I'm going to talk about my book, and if you I'm look gonna, at my book, then you'll know. I'm pitching myself at this meeting. So Jughead talks about how it's like weird to be here at night, not as a teacher, but as an alcoholic. And so I was like... Wait, so he's in Riverdale High. Yeah, how did he get back? He's back. Also, if he's in Riverdale High at an AA meeting during this episode, mm-hmm. can he not hear Betty's chainsaw? That's what exactly, right? Oh my god. No, Riverdale High is just super, oh super, super soundproof. Yeah. Betty's like, it's a long weekend. Runs into AA meeting. Yeah. Yeah, I, oh yeah, my next note was, isn't Betty holding a fugitive here as we speak? <laughs> Jughead talks about how he, like, went to Iowa, like he said he was going to. He joined, like, a writer's workshop, but it was boring, and so he decided to focus on writing instead. I'm like, you weren't focusing on writing in a writing workshop? What, like, what What did you think you were doing? <laughs> and so he's like, I was going into, like, the origins of storytelling, and then I started doing, uh, uh, when I would, I would drink coffee all day, and then I would drink whiskey all day, and I'm like, bro, had to pee all the time. So true. <laughs> all the time. And, you know, between those two, neon yellow. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Bro, please. Some water. (laughs) Neon yellow and not regular. His liver is like, please, God. (laughs) Jughead poops his pants every morning. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
So he sent the first few chapters to like a hundred agents in New York, and the apparent oh, you okay, buddy? And apparently the only agent who got back to him was Sam Pansky, who's his current agent. Sam Pansky. I'm like, you sent it to a hundred agents, and only one person got back. To- well, sometimes I mean, it just takes That's that one very person. Normal, yeah. yeah. So um, Sam got him a gift because he's his agent now, but the gift was alcohol, which is not great because he's an alcoholic. Yeah. Yeah. So he calls Betty to tell her his good news, and she says, oh yes, I'm just outside my, my room because my roommate is banging uh, some person, and so I'm just, she's just sitting outside the room, because she mm-hmm. says my roommate has company. I'm like, girl. I would simply go, <laughs> go to the library. To- read this note that I wrote. <laughs> girl, go to the library. Don't sit right outside. Exactly. Girl, go to the library. Like, go to the movies. So embarrassing. Like, I would straight up go to a movie, mm-hmm. go get pizza, Literally, treat yourself. Like, there are so many other things you could do. Yeah. But she says that she's excited for him, and he's... Okay, so I'm really confused a little bit about the timeline of Jughead's feelings for Betty. Because he's, like, nice to her, and he's saying, like, I hope you come to my book launch, blah, blah, blah. Like, this is later. He's like, he's so nice to her, but she makes him mad after he's written the book. And he leaves this... This voicemail that says, everyone will see how garbage you are when my book comes out, right? I think like that the phone call that they have at first is like a feigned nice, mm. and he's still resentful of her when, after their breakup. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I guess my thing is that he just like is like, oh, I hope you come to my book launch. And she's like, of course I'll come to your book launch. And he's like, seems like happy about that. And then he's like really mad when she doesn't come because like what he was hoping that she would be there to like see that he, so that she would be humiliated in front yeah. of everybody. Yes. Like, and I also feels. think he's desperately in love with her. Mm-hmm. Like, and never got over her. Yeah. yeah. Which is like, I feel, I genuinely feel in this entire thing, Jughead is the victim. You think? Yes. I think that, in high school, he was the victim. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's what I mean. Not yeah. now. Now he's just acting like a freaking weirdo. My, my main, like, the the part that really rubbed me the wrong way is when he's like, and then Betty called me to tell me that she couldn't come to my thing. And I was like, okay, first of all, she didn't even just text you. She called you, which was really nice of her, to mm-hmm. be honest, because yeah. you guys are far away. And she doesn't owe you anything, you know? She doesn't she doesn't owe you having to come to this thing. Yeah. You know? Like, like she she gave you the courtesy of, of calling you and everything. Why did she go? Like, do we know? We don't know. He said that she just couldn't go. I don't think she ever said that she... I would be surprised if we find out later it was something pretty intense. Yeah. <laughs> what if she was like, yeah, I she... gotta go. And then she like went to go get the trash bag killer. Yeah. Or that day. Like, I think that was probably part of it was yeah. like, then she was kidnapped. Mm-hmm. Or like PTSD, that happening. If it yeah. Did, unless it had happened already. And so basically when I was writing these notes, I was like, he slams her in this book and he's not really acting like he slams her in this book. But he seems to be completely ignorant of the fact that people would know which character they were in the book. Oh, yeah. Like, earlier this season when uh, he was like, what, Fangs? Uh, I didn't know that you'd be able to tell that you're toothy. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's so embarrassing. Like, okay, but are we supposed to glean from this that he's not a good writer? I don't know. implication. I mean, it was a successful book, right? Like, the, the book was successful, but everything else that he's written, everyone keeps saying is bad. Like, Betty said it was absolute trash garbage. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm like, and when he wrote that book, was he so- he wasn't sober, was no. he? No. So it's not a matter of when you're sober and when you're not, you're better for him. It's... You're just not good. <laughs> I think the only story he can tell is his own story. Yeah. 
He all he can do is write what he knows, and mm-hmm. that's it. So she's like, "Oh, are your friends gonna take you out?" And he's like, "Haha, yeah, but later." Uh, no, he does not have any friends. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> whose fault is that, though? Yeah, exactly. And so he's like, "I'm gonna move to New York." So he gets an apartment in the East Village, and he's like, "Oh, I had writer's block, but it's okay because my girlfriend came, and she has maple mushrooms, and so it's easy to write when I'm high." And so I wrote 200 pages in that one night, and so that draft became The Outcasts. And so Sam, like, read it, I guess, and is like, hey, this could be YA. And he's like, okay, let's make it YA then. <laughs> so, I mean, what was it supposed what was it to before? be? I know, YA. I was like, it's supposed to be, like, an adult novel. And <laughs> he's like, how dare you, uh, uh, how, how dare you insult me by saying that this could be YA? I just wanted to say that YA is my favorite genre. When I am 52, I will still be reading YA novels because <laughs> they're fun. I think as long as you under, and this is, this is like a really interesting subject to me that I've seen on Twitter, is a lot of people don't understand that YA and is and always going to be for young adults. Mm-hmm. So you're never going to get the content that you want from a YA novel if you're an adult reading it for, you know, those side characters. Mm-hmm. Because it's for young adults. Mm-hmm. So, like, you reading YA, you understand that. Yep. But it's fascinating to me seeing discourse on Twitter, especially people watching CW shows, and, like, I was definitely guilty of this, of wanting to see more of those characters, but at the end of the day, I know that I'm not going to get Parrotdale. Yeah. Yeah, because it's not, this show is not for us. Exactly. Yeah. But you could just throw us a bone. (laughs) <laughs> you know? I mean, I time definitely, to time. if I had Mage and Amic on my payroll, mm-hmm. I sure would use her more. Yeah. That's why I like the way that Stranger Things balances their stories yeah. every uh-huh. year, is there's three sets of age groups of characters, mm-hmm. and each group gets pretty much equal screen time. And they're exactly. all interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're all interesting and good and, like, woven throughout the whole uh, season very seamlessly. Would you say that Stranger they, Things is YA? They intermix with each other? Um, I think. Yeah, I, young adult. So, I w- yeah. I would say it is, ju- especially because they don't use the F word other than, like, once. You know? Right, fair enough. And so that feels like it's partially part of it. Yeah, I mean, young adult is pretty much 16 and up, basically, mm-hmm. in my head. Like, 16 to 24 around there? Yeah. So... Yeah, I would say that, because the main cast is, like, 14. Yeah, fair enough. And, um, yeah, I would definitely say Stranger Things fits YA. All right. Yeah, I wanted to say that, like, YA is my favorite genre, but there's this new genre called New Adult, um, and I honestly love that one even more, because it's, you know, when you're... When you're like 22 and you're still reading YA and all of the characters are are in high school, then it's like I can't. I don't. To this. I don't relate to this. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But new adult is more of like a college age type thing, and so I really enjoy that genre as well. That's a definitely a slept on age range. Yeah. Like people think like once you turn 18, you're an adult. Oh my god, you're not. Absolutely not. You're turning mm-hmm. 18. You're an idiot. <laughs> With no offense to 18 year olds I was an 18 year old mm-hmm. When you turn 25 you realize Oh I was an idiot still mm-hmm. Yeah. So in this scene you can see the Jughead is wearing a ring On his middle finger of his right hand And it is black and silver um, If you guys listen to our Stranger Things podcast Then you might know that I talked about um, Robin having a black fin- uh, A black ring On the her middle finger of her right hand Which is um, significant to Asexuality It's like something that you know, just we do. I don't because I don't, I'm not a ring person. But every time I see a black ring on someone's middle finger, I'm like, excuse me. And we know that Robin on Stranger Things is not that. So I thought, okay, that's just a coincidence. 
And also, I have completely given up my asexual jughead question mark, question mark, question mark segment. But, and it is also black and silver. But Mm. I just wanted to say that Jughead is wearing a semi-black ring on his (laughs) middle finger of his right hand. And so, for this episode only, asexual jughead, question mark, question mark, question mark. Maybe she's back. Or maybe it was fluid because this is a, um... This is a flashback. That's true. So this is from before. That you're making some anyway. points. So he talks about how the year leading up to the publication was crazy. So he was just drinking and getting high, and he was with Jess, but he was remembering Betty, and um, that was kind of discussed a couple episodes ago um, when uh, they listened to the voicemail in the in Pops. Oh right, and right, they right, talked right, about right. how like she was already with him at that point. Betty says that she'll come to his book launch, um, and she literally has another man in bed with her as she's texting this to Jughead. That looks so awkward. <laughs> and you guys know how much I love looking at the phone props. Oh, oh yes. First of all, she doesn't even have a picture for Jughead's contact. She doesn't uh, have any emojis next to his name or anything. And she also doesn't have the time displayed, and so that was weird. I swear it's she... so that the Riverdale writers don't have to commit to a time. But I'm like, it's night. It Just sure pick is a night. time at night. Like, whatever. So, yes, like I said, so she called to say that she can't come. At least she called. I cannot be mad at Betty for this. I can be mad at her for cheating on him. That was crap. 100%. But... Her plans just changed. And she's like, she lives, she doesn't live in New York, yeah. right? She lives far, farther away from New York. So, like, sorry, like, you're not in a relationship anymore. She doesn't owe you anything. And I just think that it's so, like, tactful of her to have called him instead of just texting. I would, I would never call someone to break a plan. Yeah. I am a coward. Mm-hmm. So he, like, goes crazy. He leaves that voicemail and, like, on his way to the party. Uh, we've already seen this. We've already seen this voicemail. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so he's like, yeah, everyone will see how terrible you are when they read my book. And I'm like, okay, so after he wrote it, he knows that she just gets slandered in it. And I just like, I can't imagine inviting her to that book party. I kind of wonder if that's why she didn't want to go. It could that she found out or something. Well, and you kind of have to assume. Like, even reading the summary, you'd be like, oh, okay. Right. I know I'm the bad guy here. Mm -hmm. I do love... On the uh, voicemail that there's, like, over it is this, like, film noir jazz music, uh, which I liked. So then he talks about how he was swallowed up by the dark. And he's actually talking about a sinkhole. (laughs) Yeah, you, like, think it's a metaphor? No, he fell down a hole. Yeah. For those of you who don't watch this show, it's a literal hole. Yeah. So the next thing we see is him in the hospital room and Jess is there and she says that he lost like a few days and that didn't do anything for them. They kept fighting and drinking and not writing and then Archie called and so Jughead went because he didn't really have anything to like live for in New York, he felt. Yeah, he was like, I'm bored. I fell down a hole. My and life so, is weird. <laughs> and so we see Cora's manuscript when Archie calls him. And I was like, oh, but then I realized it's not a callback. It's just archive footage from like 504. Are they ever going to bring that back? Absolutely not. Definitely not. I hate this show. Um, and he talks about um, coming back here. So that is 100% confirmation that he's back in Riverdale now. Even though no Who one knows where him? he is. I, I, well, I think he came back. But, like, is he still in Archie's like, garage? Is he, like... Didn't he say, I have some things to take care of in New York? Yeah. yeah but that's, I mean, that's what we're seeing. Oh, is him, the like, implication going- is him... What they went to do in New York was find out what happened when he had rabies. Exactly, because we see him, we see him go to the hospital and everything, and when he gets his like report and stuff, it's yeah. him in like the Superman shirt okay, and the okay. beanie and everything. So that's what he was doing in New York was figuring out what was up and like going back down to the sewer. The way that I want him to write a blog post, being like my experience with rabies. Yeah. <laughs> 
I got rabies, so you don't have to. He went to the hospital to get his discharge discharge records, and he was treated for rabies. So this is the first time that he's hearing about that, apparently. Good lord. Um, and he would have died mostly with before they even figured out that he had rabies. Do you think they just gave him like a rabies shot or something? I mean, but, I, I or think does it so. say that he had rabies? They say he had rabies. Oh my god, this show's so stupid. That's why I he love went it. Crazy, but like it's literally impossible to show signs of having rabies and not die from it. Yeah, it doesn't rabies have like a hundred percent kill rate? By the by, the time that it uh, you have symptoms, you are going to die. Yeah, and so he goes to see Jess, and Jess, who I guess had left Betty and Tabitha to be high in a bunker, goes back to New York, and he goes to see her. And she's like, yeah, apparently we're crazy weird t- yelling about, like, a rat king. And I'm like, everyone at this meeting is like, what? <laughs> like, imagine tr- just trying to go to AA. Yeah. Just trying to, like, work through. I would straight up leave. You're just trying to get help. And I'd- some ass walks in talking about a rat king and the fact that he had rabies. I'd be like... What does this have to do with anything? I feel like, you know what? I thought this was a group of my peers, but I see that it is not. You you are in a different, you are a different species of person. <laughs> yeah. That was me trying to go to the like gay straight alliance. Uh-huh. As a, oh my college. God. You show up and it's like one older lesbian and like six gay men and you're like, this is somehow my community and also not. Not at all. That was literally me at our Gay Straight Alliance. It was just a bunch of straight people who liked gay people and then later realized they were gay people. No, I was the only gay people. Oh. A plot twist. (laughs) So Jughead says that he never made it to his party um, because he fell down a sinkhole. He's like, you know, they're rare, but it happens. That's what he said. No, they're rare. I need someone to Google if sinkholes actually happen in New York. I'm sure they Good do. Because I know they happen in Florida, but, like, anything happens in Florida. Well, everything see. is legal in New Jersey. So, my question is, why didn't he just fall down a manhole and just make this all easier? Yeah, he could. He yeah. really could have said that. Huh? Like, AU, where these writers are brave, and he falls down a manhole and meets the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So, yeah. I Googled, do sinkholes happen in New York? <laughs> New York. New York. And it said sinkholes are relatively rare in the city, according to New York officials and experts in the field. But the increasing frequency of intense rainstorms has exposed weak points in the city's infrastructure. So basically, we are causing the sinkholes. So basically, it's rare, but it happens. Okay. <laughs> I hate it. Thank you. So, I love it, though. So Jughead goes down and uh-huh. sees this weird sewer that he's in and says, you know what? I can stay here. Yeah, yeah. I can make this And so he makes himself a little house. Sure. To live there. Sure. And you know what? Honestly, this makes sense for him because he's very, like, familiar with squatting and stuff. Like, he's done, he's done that a lot. Yeah. You know what? It's the squatting to living in a sinkhole pipeline. Right. Sure. (laughs) And so then who shows up but the Rat King? And he goes, Sam? Because I'm pretty sure it's played by the same guy who plays... His agent, Sam. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh. And this, first of all... I thought he just named the Rat King Sam, I'm gonna be honest with you. Well, I think... I was offended, honestly. (laughs) I think that the way that we can definitely tell, not only by looking at IMDb, but also, like, he's supposed to be like Sam Pansky, his agent, because he loves his book. Oh. Right? Just like Sam does. Mm-hmm. Um, but this reminds me of Wyatt Nash playing Charles just being a crazy nutball in 510, when that is not at all what he signed up for when he no. <laughs> when he got cast to play Charles. 
Uh, and so I love this guy who's like, yeah, I'm cast to play Jughead's agent, and now I'm the Rat King! And that's what happens when you are on Riverdale. <laughs> yeah, that's what you missed on Riverdale. So he says he's the king of the underworld, and that Jughead is a trespasser, and he's like, I'm a writer, I'll tell you a story. Luckily, I have a copy of my book. And so he reads him the book, and he loved the book, just like Sam, and he, so the Rat King is like, you should stay down here and tell me stories. And Jughead's like, <laughs> okay. Yeah, that sounds great to him. <laughs> I noticed that the Rat King has a crown that kind of looks a lot like Jughead's crown in the comics. Oh, yeah. yeah it's, yeah, like, yeah, silver yeah. and it has those, like, tips that kind of go down. It also has, like, the red eyes that, like, yeah. Reggie describes as being mm-hmm. one of the Mothmen. So I was like, okay. I think it's Fangs who does that, but yeah. Oh, right. Reggie yes. starts it and yes. Fangs finishes yeah. it, yes. And so then... He's like, oh, I'll be back tomorrow. And Jughead's like, okay, I'm happy to join your cause or whatever. Um, and then that night a vision of Betty comes and she's like, every two weeks this place gets flooded. So if you stay here, then you will drown and you will die. So she goes, come with me. And she holds out her hand. And we were watching it this morning. And I was like, oh, this reminds me of this one part in Town, the musical, mm-hmm. where he's like, uh, come home with me. Right. And so I was like, ha it reminds me of that part. If you don't know, Town is a musical about Orpheus and Eurydice um, fleeing the underworld, right? Mm-hmm. So oh, okay. quite literally two seconds later, Jughead said, you know, it was kind of like Orpheus and Eurydice fleeing the underworld. And oh I was like, God. is this a joke? Wait, did you scream because you got that? I wish I had said it out loud. I'm sorry. But Sam was there. I was there, yeah. Honestly, no, here's I the thing, I believe you. Yeah. Because it's you. Yeah. So he's like, oh, well, she urged me forward and saved my life. And somehow he like had made that up in his mind. And so he gets out there, he's dirty, crazy and infected and he gets picked up by some cops. And he's like, Betty, save me from the darkness once again. And I'm like, Betty's like, I cannot save you from rabies. (laughs) Betty's like, I have my own darkness, my guy. It involves chainsaws. Yeah. Um, and so the guy who's like the main guy at the AA meeting is like, um, how much of that is real? And he's like, um, okay. So anyway, I went back to the sewer and took me two days to find it. The sinkhole is paved over now. So I took a manhole up so that I could go down there. I'm pretty sure this is a felony, but I did it anyway. Still no Ninja Turtles. So he went down there and he found like the cot that he made and the copy of his book which at least looks like it was wet at one point. But yeah. I'm like, wouldn't it be washed it, away? Like, yeah, like the rest of it would also be like a mess. Yeah, too. exactly. It, like, like everything's still relatively where he left it. Yeah, which I don't know how realistic that would be. Unless it's like not... Oh, we're looking for realism in this storyline? Yeah. <laughs> unless it's like not flooding from different places and instead just like flooding from the bottom up. Like, you know, if it was, like, just up and down, then I guess that it would stay in one place. But if it was coming from any other direction, it would be going somewhere. Again, we're looking for realism in this storyline. <laughs> so he opens the book and he's like, oh, yes, I've got all this marginalia about the Rat King. So I made it up. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when I was down there, I couldn't scream for help because I was covered in rats. And if I opened my mouth, they would go into my mouth. Sure. So I couldn't scream for help because I was covered in rats. Of course. And he says that he felt really alone because it was literally my party and I didn't make my way there and no one missed me. And that's fair. I mean, that's like the one part where I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Because you were missing from your party because you fell down a sinkhole. Yeah. And was covered in rats. Right. Right. (laughs) 
So everyone else is just sitting there like, um, okay. And so he's like, so anyway, I, um, the first step is figuring out my drinking, and so that's uh, that's why that's I'm here. That's why I'm here. And they're like, okay, great, and they move on. And honestly, Jughead looks really proud of himself for, like, sharing, and I guess I, I, guess I am happy for him. I guess. Uh, yeah, I guess. Like, I felt something. You I don't sure know what shared. it was. Uh, so since this is the last storyline of the actual episode, um, this is what happened at the end of the episode. Um, so Minerva is impressed with the, the various paintings that Cheryl showed, and she also painted herself and Minerva as Psyche and Cupid. How fast does she, does she paint these? I think um, she paints quite fast. Like, yeah. it seems like it would take people weeks to do one of these paintings. Mm-hmm. Like, that's how, like, crazy and incredible they are. Well, she also are. doesn't she has nothing have else anything to else to do. She's the cheerleading coach. Like, oh, yeah. she's at, she goes it's places, she weekend, does things. Robin. It's a long weekend. Okay. And so Cheryl, like, is talking to Minerva and, like, trying to get her to do stuff. And she's like, last time I was here, what? The students at Riverdale do not exist unless they need unless to Unless they need to be, yeah. She's like, last time I was here, your grandma wanted to, like, sacrifice me. So, like, I'm not super... Psyched about being here. Minerva says that she still has feelings for Cheryl, but she's leaving tomorrow to South Africa. And they're like, okay, well, we still have tonight. So they're going to go boink, but I guess Minerva will be gone now. So we're we're, we're losing. That's just the end of her, I guess. They're basically just telling us that Minerva is gone now. I I think it's just gone for a while. Yeah. I don't know. Like, it's gone in a convenient way that we know where she is Mm -hmm. until she's back. Yeah, they're just explaining to us that she will not be around now. But I'm like, is this to make way for Shoni again? Because I don't think Cheryl's mentally stable enough to do that. I'm pretty sure Tony comes back next episode, so it really makes sense. I do think that, yes, it is for Shoni. Um, That's the uh, deeply ridiculous Jughead storyline, and now, thank God, we can move on to something else. And so Brittany did the summary for the Archie storyline. This storyline doesn't have rabies, sadly. Um, What? So, if you were thinking, hey, is this storyline going to involve rabies? No, but it does involve carbon monoxide poisoning. Yeah. Because it's Riverdale. And a doctor. It's true. Mm -hmm. All right. So, Min Min visits Cheryl at Thornhill. I say Min Min because that's what Cheryl calls her, and I forgot her name before Robin said it earlier. (laughs) She's there to see the new paintings and not be sacrificed, thank you very much. Cheryl has a night gallery full of portraits of Archie, Jughead, and Betty, which Robin explained earlier. So, this is Archie's portrait. I do want to say he has, like, a full 12-pack in this portrait. (laughs) I will also say it's not a very good portrait. Um... (laughs) If, if someone, I'm just gonna be honest. If someone actually put in actual like big time work for it, I'd be like, "Wow, this is incredible." But yeah. knowing that it was just kind of made for a prop, and there's several other ones, then yeah, like no offense, but um, when Min Min talks about the influences, the art influences that she sees, I do not see those. <laughs> anyway, so Archie decides to see a new therapist who isn't Gina Torres, and then not, and thus not as important. Thanks so much. Anyway, he says his nightmares make no sense, and she tells him he could take anti-anxiety medication or try EMDR, eye movement desensitization and reprogramming. That's not what that stands for, but okay. Anyway, she's gonna, like, hypnotize him while he tells his tragic story by waving her fingers back and forth in front of his face. I would be so distracted by that, but I think it's because I have ADHD. Anyway, he tells the story in bingo, like, over and over. Back at home, Eric says that Dr. Winters has him on regular meds for nerve pain with mild side effects. Cheryl knocks on the door and tells them she found out about the whole palladium thing and needs a crew of beefy dudes to go through her mines and harvest it. Archie's like, I have no experience, but I'm in. They start immediately. Sorry, right after Cheryl blesses the mines or something, I'm pretty sure that she's praying to Jason, which, um, concerns me. 
Anyway, they head in. During a break, Archie discovers Kevin skipped the break to keep working, so he goes back for him. No one is allowed to work alone. Archie has a war flashback, quite literally. Kevin found some palladium, which impresses Cheryl, and so she immediately sends it back in again. No breaks. Archie has another good session with Dr. Winters and asks for some anti-anxiety medication because of his flashback. Fangs entertains the gang with stories of the red-eyed cannibalistic Mothman. Archie loses his marbles in the mines again. He thinks Eric is calling for him, but he isn't. It's a Mothman. I think it's kind of gay. He freaks out <laughs> on too. Uncle Frank. <laughs> It's so, like, he, he, he calls Eric buddy just to no homo it. And I'm like, why are you so obsessed with him, dude? Dude, this, uh, continues to, like, this storyline continues to convince me that Archie and Eric are supposed to be in love. And then there's also, like, some romance stuff that happens with Betty and Tabitha in the storyline, I must say. (laughs) <laughs> Not Archie losing his marbles. He freaks out on Uncle Frank and then later on Dr. Winters, accusing her of experimenting on he and Eric. He wants Eric to stop seeing her, but he won't, and says Archie shouldn't either. Archie has some crap to work through. Beefy Uncle Frank suggests that Archie stay out of the mind. Mo- He's so beefy! It's kind of like a... It's dumb! Okay, so I have to tell you that I, I went on IMDb because I was looking to see where I knew Dr. Winters from. Yeah. Dr. Winters! Dr. Winters! And I will tell you about that okay. uh, in a second. But um, I went on and so I was looking through the cast of this episode and I saw Ryan Robbins' page. Yeah. Um, and... You guys keep talking about how beefy he is, and I was like, I guess he's beefy, but, like, he has been beefy since I saw him as Uncle Frank. Oh, so you don't see the change. So I didn't see a change, and so when I found his page on IMDb and I clicked on it, I was like, oh, crap, he's beefy now. Yeah, Yeah. like, it's jarring. Like, I'm like, how, is this... Yeah. yeah, it's like All comparatively, right. he's like a little stick man in these pictures. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So Frank suggests that Archie stay out of the mines for the time being. He hears shouting from the mines and finds everyone losing their minds inside. He pulls everyone out, including Eric, who he has to knock out to get outside. Yeah. Frank guesses the tunnels are full of carbon monoxide and causing hallucinations. Cheryl's like, well, then I'll put clean air in there, but you need to keep mining. Archie apologizes to Dr. Winters for taking his aggression out on her and begs her to keep working with him. He keeps seeing all of the men he lost. Dr. Winters says his level of hallucination may mean he can't be around anyone, let alone her. So this is the beginning of the episode. We already talked about the end of the episode. This is the beginning of the episode. Yes. Uh, so Minerva comes to Cheryl's place, and like you said, she still calls her Min Min. And she's like, I'm not here to kiss. I'm here to look at the paintings. And she's like, by the way, the auction house knows where I am, so don't like murder me and sacrifice me to your gods. And Cheryl's like, Papa, please, they're goddesses. Please, I've had um, a whole change of personality yeah. since then. She's like, oh my god, babe, I would never do that. That, babe. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's like, here's my night gallery. And we also see that she's done a, a portrait of Nana Rose as well. Um, and then we see the Archie painting. It's like a little minor boy. And he, she talks about how he's haunted by his past and plagued by his present. He has so many abs in that picture. I yeah. was like, what in the hell? Like, I like that she's explaining each of the characters, but like, how can you see that in the actual painting? You can't. <laughs> you know what I mean? She's like, he's haunted by this. And I'm like, it looks like a painting of a minor. Yeah. Um, a minor who should probably be wearing more equipment. Yeah! Um, so Archie's seeing Dr. Winters, and she says that his anxiety is very normal, especially after what he went through. Um, he refuses to take any pills. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Why, why he would do that? 
I mean, medication hesitancy is really, really normal because of the stigma around mental health. And like, everyone's like, oh, normalize this, normalize that. But when it actually comes down to it, people have a hard time relating to mental health issues unless they've had those issues. Mm -hmm. So then having to admit that your issues are to the degree where you need medication, for a lot of people, that's impossible to get over. Like, because you just want to be able to fix these problems by yourself. So Archie not wanting medication makes sense. I don't really understand why that was the first thing that she offered him because Mm. that's not normal. Mm. Usually you'd go through like therapeutic techniques first. Like I did a combination of antidepressants and um, cognitive behavioral therapy, which Archie would really benefit from, I think. So medication hesitancy, I get. So what she suggests then is to do EMDR, which she says is eye movement desensitization and reprogramming. But then I looked it up and Uh it's actually reprocessing. So she didn't even like... Oh my god. So if I was that lady, I'd be like, well, that's what it says in the script. So I will just say what it says in the script. I've never heard of this. That doesn't mean it doesn't exist. I've just never heard of it. So I googled it and there's a lot of stuff on it, but this is kind of just like a small little paragraph that I grabbed. Um, It is a structured therapy that encourages the patient to briefly focus on the trauma memory while simultaneously experiencing bilateral stimulation, typically eye movements, which is associated with a reduction in the vividness and emotion associated with the trauma memories. Okay. So basically, she tells him to tell the story and then, like, follow her hand. And so, like, uh... It takes your body out of the... Yeah. Memory. Yeah, it's like repetition. If you say it over and over again, then like it'll stop hurting so much. Yeah. I guess. Because you'll have thought about it enough. You'll Um, become desensitized. So you guys may recognize Dr. Winters from uh, the last season of The Hundred. She played Cadigan's (sighs) wife. Grace and Callie's mom. I hate it here. So that's. I will never be free. Um. Haha. Honestly, fine. Vancouver is Vancouver. Yeah. So he starts talking about him. His name is Private Butler, a.k.a. Bingo. Um, Can you call him Private Bingo if that's not his name? Private Bingo was his name, oh. (laughs) Imagine getting, you go to Army, and the nickname you get is Bingo. Yeah. That would suck. Yeah. I love getting answers immediately. Uh, At the end of last episode, I was like, um, excuse me, can you explain to me if his name is Bingo or what his name is? And they said, uh, yes, we can. They said, why Uh, is his (laughs) name-o? What is his (laughs) name-o? Please tell me. I went on the Wikipedia, the the Riverdale Wiki, and in this episode, he only said Butler, like his last name was Butler. But apparently on the Wiki, and maybe this is from the credits, I don't know exactly where this is from, but on the Wiki, it says that his first name is Benjamin. Can we not let Ben Butler? Yeah, can we not let Ben Button rest? Oh my god. That was Ben Butler. Oh Come my on, god. Guys. Benjamin Bingo Butler. That's a lot of bees. So, oh, hold on. Because we looked up Bingo on the Archie characters. So let's look up Butler and see if there's Archie. It's gonna come up with like a. It's gonna come up with Smithers. Smithers, yeah, probably. Oh my god. Hubert Smithers? Smithers' first name is Hubert? I told you it would come up with Smithers. Yeah, that's it. That's the only thing that's on there. Um, and then let's see, Benjamin. Mr. Flute Snoot's first name is Benjamin. Mr. Who now? How come we don't have Flute Snoot? <laughs> what the f- You don't remember Mr. Flute Snoot from the, from the comic? No. no. <laughs> He's the science teacher. Oh, he has a really long nose, Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. How come, you know I'm, what? I'm exempt from this because I didn't read the comics. I just wanted to say that we have taken every single thing from, how come we don't have Beasley either? I'm looking at these and I'm just like, there are several uh, teachers that we have not, wait, oh my God, Miss Crouton. Miss Crouton is on this list. 
Did I know that? No. It's been so long since we've talked about Miss Crouton. Minor characters Miss Crouton, the school's home economics teacher, primarily seen in the early 1990s and on and off in later years, including Betty and Veronica's Spectacular number 71 and the cover of Archie 565. Oh my god, Miss Crouton is real. That is very exciting. Miss Burble. We knew about that already. Anyway, great. That Wikipedia article is just rife with knowledge. Mm-hmm. So Archie is like, I let Bingo die. Um, I was helping Jackson, so I couldn't go help him. I'm like, girl, no, you didn't let him die. It's, you, 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 it's okay. sa- you saved a life. Yeah. If you had gone, like like Eric said last episode, if you had gone, everybody would be dead. Mm-hmm. Instead, and you, you have two people now that aren't dead because of that. So she's like, if we keep going over it, it'll be less painful. So he goes home and Archie tells Eric and Frank that Dr. Winters is really helping him. And Eric says that he takes the pills and he's fine. And Frank already knows about the EMDR, so Archie has clearly told him the details about mm-hmm. it. And Eric also says, that the drugs are helping him with uh, nerve pain. So I I am so proud of Eric for when Archie is like, you have to stop seeing Dr. Winters. Instead of him being like, oh, maybe I should. Okay, well, since Archie told me to, I should. Instead, he was like, I gotta stand up for myself here. This yep. is really helpful for me, and I really need to keep doing this. I was also really mm-hmm. impressed with that yeah. scene. That really yeah. showed, like, how well he was doing in therapy, that yeah. he was able to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, he says that he doesn't get any big side effects or anything from the drugs. Cheryl shows up in just, like, a deeply artistic jacket. I love it! It looks like porcelain! Yeah, it's like mm-hmm. that porcelain, uh, like, white and blue art. Yeah, it's really cool. It's really I beautiful. really like it. It also kind of looks like she and Jason all over it. Oh, you interesting. That? No, I oh, didn't. I think it looks look like that. she and Jason on it. So she says that she wants them to help get the palladium out of her groves basically before Hiram steals it because Hiram has tried to buy it off of her and she said no and so eventually he's just going to show up and take it. Did Cheryl like just never question why there were mines on her property? Right. You know? Yeah. Um, Archie's like, well, I don't have any experience mining and Cheryl's like, Archie, you're Barbie. You are like Barbie. You have done soldier, fireman, football coach, teacher, bounty hunter. Those are all Barbie. Why don't I remember Bounty Hunter? <laughs> uh, is that like the guy last Oh, is that like Red Circle? Sure. Oh, no, Bounty Hunter. When they he went hunting the prisoners. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> I honestly feel like there are more things that could be on this list. Guys, I remembered something. Vigilante. Yeah, good work. Co- he, did they have coach? I'm proud of you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, football coach. So Archie's like, well, I don't know how to do that. And Frank says that if the mines already exist, then we can do it. He's basically like, I don't know how to build a mine, I'm Cheryl. Not, I'm not digging a mine. It's 2021. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so they're like, okay, let's do it. Um, and she's like, also, can you start right now? <laughs> Cheryl in this storyline is so unhinged and like uncompassionate or like, what's the word? Discompassionate? In- incompassionate? Oh Not my God, I don't know. Inconsiderate? Also that. All of these things. I don't really care because it's just something that they'll like just, they just throw that stuff on Cheryl and like whatever. Yeah. I just wanted to point out how like. She, death, she's, she such a, yeah. she's such a monster. It's like terrible kind of. Yeah. But I also like. For some reason, it didn't really bother me that much. Because <laughs> you're, like, you're so used to it. You're yeah. so you're so desensitized to yeah. Cheryl being an ass. Um, so we've got Uncle Frank, Eric, Archie, Kevin, Fangs, and Reggie working. Okay, I have an important question for okay. you. Okay. When do you think they shot this? What makes you ask that? Because they have umbrellas for the sun. Mm-hmm. They're all in jackets. It's been hot here for six months. Mm, It's true. What's the weather? That's a good question. I think that they definitely shot this during the hot times. Yeah. Not like, like, not like, I'm going to say like maybe 
four or five months ago they probably shot this. Okay. Would be my guess. All right. I do think it's interesting because Hiram, a couple episodes ago, was doing what he thought was best for Reggie by being like, you're not working for me anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, it's what he wished had happened to him. So he was trying to help Reggie. And now Reggie is out here, like, actively working against Hiram. And I can't be mad about it. I just, like, now have this compassion for Hiram that I need to think about. You know what I mean? Oh, because someone is working against him? Well, like, he was trying to help Reggie. He was trying to, like, set Reggie free. And now Reggie is, like, actively working against him Mm -hmm. to get, so that he doesn't get, like, his father's dream. And Reggie knows that he it's, like, his dad's dream or whatever. It's his dad's dream, but he'd also be destroying something. Yeah. Which is the Maple Groves. Right. You, at some point, you gotta stop a villain from doing villain things. Yeah. So Cheryl wants them all to pray first. And I'm like, well, that sure didn't stop the carbon monoxide from getting in, I must say. It sure didn't. Um, Fang says that he isn't religious. Uh, and Kevin's like, oh my god, Fangs, be open-minded. So my theory Fangs, is yeah. that Fangs is definitely joining the ministry. Uh, he joined the farm. Yeah, I was just know? gonna say, we're, this is just the farm again. Yeah, he joined the farm, so I wouldn't be surprised if he did, if this was foreshadowing for Fangs joining the ministry. There's two plots per season that they just recycle in different yeah, flavors. Yeah. So they're gonna pray to our brother Divine, so... Once again, it's Jason. Yes, this super, is why we're concerned here. This is why we didn't think it was Christianity. This is why we thought it was mm-hmm. its own thing. But and then so they all say Amen, and Nana Rose says Amen, and Reggie winks at her. I love this callback to earlier this season that Reggie had to go to Nana Rose to ask to buy the Maple Groves, and she gave it to him because he like gave her like flowers and yeah. stuff, mm-hmm. you know. So I love them bringing it back that Reggie and Nana Rose have this like <laughs> little like rapport. It's very sweet. It's also such a himbo thing to yeah. have him wink at her. Yeah, he's like. Reggie I'm, I'm going to flirt with the older lady. So Reggie sweet. is my fave himbo. I absolutely loved it. So going into the mines is supposed to also parallel Hiram, it feels like, because his dad went into the mine and then it collapsed. And I feel like a mine collapse is in our future. I feel like I've read that in one, sure. of the, in one of the like episode uh, like preview little blurbs. I mean, didn't... I'm asking this as if I don't know, but like it is so funny to me that they're now repeating Sabrina's storylines. Right. Like they've run out of original ideas for Riverdale, so they're just stealing from Sabrina. Next episode is so heavily, has so much Katie Keene in it. <laughs> Does it? Yeah, because uh, like Veronica goes and like meets up with one of the main characters of Katie Keene, and Josie's from Katie Keene, and so yeah. Does Roberto just like resent the fact that his other shows ended? So he's like, I'm going to shove them all in Roberto. <laughs> yeah, for yeah. sure, one hundred percent. And so Archie's a little apprehensive to go in there, but he does. Then at lunchtime, they're eating lunch, and Kevin has just stayed in there. He's like in there alone doing stuff, and Archie's like, Oh my god, buddy system! Ah, which I think is very smart. He's yes. a very responsible boss. However, they're like, oh, Kevin wasn't hungry, so he just kept going. Well, take, take a, a break, break then, at least. Take you know? a yeah. pause, John. Very odd. Like, I'm just like, even if you aren't hungry, go take a break and sit with your friends and have, like, fun, cute little times, you yeah. know? Like, it's weird. And then <laughs> Kevin gets no, like, because he's like, look, I found Palladium. He has no consequences for this. <laughs> yeah. I kind of want, yeah. Why couldn't they just, I don't know. Yeah. I have so many aborted thoughts here where I'm just like, uh, uh who cares? Yeah. <laughs> so he's like, ah, buddy system. So he runs in there and he hallucinates bingo and all these gunshots and stuff. And it is a genuine PTSD flashback. But then he finds Kevin and he found a bit of Palladium. And so we smash cut to Cheryl being like, okay, great. Yeah. Thank you. Great. Keep going. And and Literally they're basically no like, breaks. okay, and that's it. 
Yeah. What was the point of this scene? Just, I don't, I... Like, was it just to show that they're not allowed to have breaks, so eventually they're going to succumb to carbon monoxide poisoning? Probably? Maybe? And also to show that, like, Cheryl now knows about the palladium, like, otherwise they'd be like, why, didn't, why aren't they telling Cheryl about the no, palladium? And that it's true that it's there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's ahead of Hiram. So, Archie has another good session with Dr. Winters. On her plaque, it said Sherry Winters. Um, I looked it up. I don't know if that has anything to do with anything, but they gave us her full name. Okay. Um, Archie asks about the medicine, talks about his hallucination, and she just gives him some. I'm like, I'm pretty sure you need a prescription. Like, you can't just give it to him. It depends on whether or not she had samples on hand from drug manufacturers. Um, I've definitely had that done before where, like, you're trying it. Right, but then wouldn't it... Wouldn't he run out? First yeah, of all, you run out... Well, he sees her regularly. Wouldn't the packaging look different if it was, like, sample, sample? Yes, normally, yes. Yeah. But, I mean, shortcut, you don't want to see Archie going to the pharmacy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm interested. I would like to see Archie go to the pharmacy. She should have just written him a prescription and used that as a shorthand, but yeah. I don't think these writers are good. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I care enough to, like, write down a bunch of details, and sometimes I don't. And so they showed us the actual name of the drug that Archie got, but I didn't care enough to write it down or Google it. I had never heard of it, if that helps, and I have anxiety disorder. Yeah. Also, so first of all, give him a prescription. Second of all, tell him how many to take. Does it say on the bottle what the thing is? Yeah, my question was what his dose was, but, I mean, again, these are things those writers don't care about. Right. So then at, like, lunch or break time, again, um, Reggie's asking about the Mothman, and Archie Archie says that he knows that Jughead was investigating that and he saw like some of his sketches, but he does not believe that they are real. I love that Archie's like, <laughs> Jughead. I know, he's like, yeah, uh, you know, at least he's like bringing it up, you know? Yeah. Like, the fact that like last episode that they're all like, where's Jughead? And he, they just like didn't talk about it. <laughs> like they just don't care. Oops. So Fangs tells stories that he learned from truck drivers who worked in the mines, that there were humanoids that lived underground, they had red eyes, and they were cannibals. And Archie literally, like, looks at Fangs and is just like, haha, anyway, haha, yeah, let's, uh, let's like, go back. stop it? Yeah. <laughs> You're freaking me out. Um, so in the mine, Archie hears Bingo calling for him. Um, at least that's what it said in the, in the subtitles. But I then thought he it was supposed to be Eric. Yeah, because then he starts going running off for Eric. And he keeps calling Eric's name. Exactly. So, I don't know, but in the subtitles it had, like, those square brackets and it said, like, Bingo. So, like, maybe just whoever was writing that was assuming that it was Bingo for yeah. some reason? I don't know. Anyway, they're best friends and they're in love at the same time. That's true. It's so much. It's so cute. It's kind of adorable. Um, yeah. So he, like, finds him turned around, uh, but when he turns him around, it's, like, an alien, and it's, like, this alien just in a hoodie, and yeah. that's already funny, but then when I picture them on set with this guy who's just <laughs> dressed up as an alien in a normal hoodie is so funny He's just chilling. Yeah. yeah. So Frank is like, hey, what's up? And Archie's like, I'm fine. Um, he's He thinks that someone is messing with him, uh, and he assumes that it is... Dr. Winters. And so he goes to yell at her and he's like, why are you using me as a guinea pig? And the dude who was in the session is like, dude, uh, first of all, I'm paying for this. Right? <laughs> like, I'm paying for this time and you're messing it up. And Dr. Winters is like, uh, like, I want, like, basically, she wants to help him. She really wants to, but not at the expense of her own safety. Yeah. You know? And he's like, are you working for Hiram? And she's like, I don't even know him. <laughs> when she calls him the rum the maker, rum I was like, that's hilarious. Yeah. Like, how do you live in Riverdale and only know Hiram as the rum, the rum guy? guy? Wasn't he the mayor? Yes. Yeah. Like, 
The rum guy? Okay. And so Archie, like I said before, is like, Eric, stop seeing that doctor. And he's like, I'm not doing that. She is helping me and she can help you. So you should probably also keep seeing her. So then later, Archie is looking at a picture of he and Fred on the desk. And this was Fred's desk. So I assume that they like hadn't moved anything from it. And he's genuinely looking at a picture that sat on Fred's desk exactly. that Fred himself looked at. That pulled at my heartstrings a little. Because yeah. like, we hadn't brought him up in a little bit. Yeah. But this show does continue to really do a good job of honoring Luke without, like, exploiting it. Yeah, and without being too heavy-handed, honestly. Yeah, which is weird for this show, because I wouldn't describe it as light-handed. Yeah. I would say that last season it was, like, more heavy-handed, but, like, not in a bad way. No. You know? And KJ, I think it also speaks to KJ's talent. Yeah, well, it's been, like, seven or eight years now. Mm -hmm. But also, no years. (laughs) Right. And so Frank comes in and he's like, hey, Archie, we were all um talking about you and we want you to take the day off and stay outside. Uh, <laughs> like, catch up on uh, on payroll. Like, that would be really helpful. And Archie, like, agrees. And I didn't expect that because he's very, I have to be in the thick of everything, mm-hmm. you know. Archie also knows when someone more qualified is talking to him, though. Yeah, that's true. So then he's, like, outside with, like, the fire and he, he hears shouting, everyone's going crazy. When I was watching it this morning, I assumed that maybe, like, a, ooh, a new uh, thing about palladium is that palladium is toxic. Oh. And then that was, like, another stake to going and, like, mining palladium. But then it wasn't that. <laughs> no, it was literally a canary in the coal mine. Just to get gas leak. I was re-listening to our Citizen Lodge episode, and Brittany was talking about how she did some research on palladium and how it's potentially toxic. And so I just wanted to say that uh, they should have done that instead. Thanks. And so he gets in there and there's like this generic children laughing sound. Kevin is saying he loves me, he loves me not, which makes sense for Kevin because he's going through stuff like that. Fangs is hearing voices in his head. Reggie is seeing monsters. Eric thinks that Archie is the devil and Archie has to knock him out. But somehow Frank is available enough to understand what's happening, which is impressive. I think it's different metabolisms. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. Because he's so beefy. No, literally, though. Yeah. I kind of wonder. It's just interesting that he's, like, the farthest in, and yet he's, like, understanding what's going on. Yeah, they were like, which person would have the most authority here? And they were like, the beefy guy. Yeah. Mr. Beef. (laughs) Mr. Beef, if you will. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. So Cheryl is like, um, (laughs) excuse me, why aren't you in the mines? And they're like, well, it's not safe. And she's like, like, we all almost died. She's like, I don't care. How do we make it safe? And they're like, I guess we could do this. And she's like, fine, do that and get back in the freaking mine. It's weird. It's It's deeply heartless. I mean, it's a classic, like, Riverdale just making Cheryl an asshole for Mm -hmm. their own, like, narrative speed up. They turned Cheryl into the Ronnie character from the comics. Mm -hmm. Oh, right. Yeah, that's true. That's so true. And she says that she's going to order, like, a bunch of canaries to, like, detect the, the gas. People don't use canaries anymore because that's not great. They sure do use science. Yeah. I noticed that earlier in the storyline, she had a painting of a bird in a cage. And I think it was yellow. So maybe that was like foreshadowing of seeing a canary in a cage. Ooh, I like that. Um, Yeah, she's like, I don't care. Just do what you have to do to get back in there. Um, I just wanted to say to these guys, because they don't seem to know, you guys are allowed to refuse unsafe work conditions. That is your right as a human being. Honestly, when is Cheryl going to be reported to OSHA? Right. (laughs) 
So Archie goes to apologize to Dr. Winters, and he's like, I'm sorry, like, I really need help. Um, a lot of men died because of me, and now I'm seeing, like, all of them. And, you know, it's it's a really great, like, kind of heart-stopping moment where, like, you turn to, to her, and you can see all of the it's soldiers behind her. Scare. It's great. Um, I also want to say Archie in this scene, when he is straight up, like, acknowledges, I took my aggression out on you, and that was inappropriate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was like, you are such an emotionally healthy boy, and I'm so proud <sighs> so of you. So proud. I know. Oh, last episode, when he, like, was on the phone and was like, I am now just understanding that I also need help, and could you please help me, mm-hmm. was, like, so much. He's, Archie has come such a long way, and the fact that he can recognize these things, it's, this show is, like, bad with a capital B, mm-hmm. but some of the emotional things they do with Archie are actually quite good. Yeah. No, you're completely right. Ever since season four. It feels like I've loved Archie for longer than a little under two seasons. Mm -hmm. But um, ever since the beginning of season four, I have loved this boy and I will continue to love this boy. Thank you. And so she says that she's, to be honest, afraid to be alone in a room with him, which is so fair. Yeah. Um, But ma'am, you already are. Yeah. (laughs) You currently are. Um, But like his outburst was unhinged. Yeah. It was unhinged, but you could also say, oh yeah, it's the carbon monoxide poisoning. Well, yeah, but like that was very violent. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, of course. Like he's it's showing that he's capable of something very yeah. violent. Like Good I point. understand why she would be afraid. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Anybody who he... yells at me, I am scared of you now. Yeah. <laughs> Especially because when Archie was experiencing that poisoning, the first thing he went to was paranoia. Mm-hmm. Of con- like conspiracy theory, like right wing level paranoia. Yeah. And I was like, what in the hell? But she's like, well, if it's that bad, maybe you shouldn't be around anyone. And I'm like, oh, come on, just tell him what to do, though. Like, tell him what, you know, like... I think he needs to be committed. What, is that what's gonna happen next? I, I mean, I don't trust these writers to do this with any sort of sensitivity, but being quote-unquote committed actually is just checking into a hospital to actually get some really focused help. Mm-hmm. Which I think Archie could probably benefit from. Right. And that's the Archie storyline. So before we move on, um, we are going to talk really quick about Patreon. So Patreon is a service in which you can donate to some of your favorite creators. Um, we have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash theafficionados. There are some really cool perks over there if you want to check it out. Um, at $1 a month, you get early access to all of our podcasts. Um, all of the other ones come out a whole week in advance. This one comes out one day in advance. At $2, you get access to our Discord server, um, and we have been doing live watches on the Discord server, so you can talk about the episode as the episode is airing with us. At $5, you get um, 10% off at ChoppyLux.com, which is where me and Brittany sell some really cool stuff. Um, and if you can't help us out on Patreon, ChoppyLux.com is a really great way to also support us and get something really cool. At $10, you get our Patreon-only podcast, which is called Okay, Love You, Hi! And we talk for about 45 to 50 minutes every two weeks about whatever we want to talk about. Um, one of the upcoming episodes is our origin story and Brittany and Sam's love story. So you're definitely <laughs> going to want to check that out for sure. If you can't do Patreon or Shopee Lux, uh, just recommend us to a friend. We would really appreciate that. Even if the friend is you, if this is the only one you listen to, check out some of the other ones. Help me, help me uh, feed my puppy. <laughs> help me feed my puppy. Thank you. <laughs> so Sam did the summary of the Betty storyline. Yeet. It's probably a mess. Okay. So here we go. <clears throat> so Betty's painting is her wielding a chainsaw surrounded like by like blood and thorns and stuff. <laughs> Cheryl poses the question then, is Betty hunting a monster or becoming one? 
At Pops, Betty and Tabitha discuss what to do with their hostage. Tabitha is super nervous and still wants to turn the guy over, but Betty says she needs to get the info out of him because it's what she does, and uh, if she turns him over, then, like, uh, she's screwed. She tells Tabitha, though, that she thinks she should bow out for her own safety, and Tabitha agrees, but says that if Betty needs backup, she better call her because she doesn't want her dying. That's romance. Hmm. Betty chains up Martin in her shop class and tells him <laughs> tells him she's with the FBI. He thinks that's weird because uh, then why is he not being read his rights. Uh, Betty says you don't have rights in the unincorporated town of Riverdale, especially since you kill women. Yep. I mean... She's not wrong. I'm not opposed to a vigilante <laughs> justice happening here. Martin tries to claim that she is the one who is getting off on entrapping men, and he asks who hurt her, and she has a flashback to being trapped by TBK. She leaves and says that she'll just have to get more creative if he doesn't want to talk. When she comes back, she brings the pictures of all the missing girls and confronts him with their names and where they were last seen. He hesitates on Polly, but he says he doesn't remember her. The next girl he does claim to remember and uh, goes almost feral about it. Betty asks where she is and he tells her that she's under a tree. She digs up the grave and finds dog bones. He laughs in her face when she comes back and calls her Agent Cooper to throw her off. Betty asks how she knows how he knows who she is, and he tells her that there are stories about her all up and down the lonely highway. He takes out some misogyny on her and tells her that killing people is just like hunting with his family. She tries to humanize the victims, but he says they're all just prey. Betty goes home and tells Alice about what she's done. She says that she's got the man who may have killed Polly. She asks Alice to come with her as a grieving mother to try and evoke an emotional confession out of him. Alice readily agrees. When she gets there, she has pictures of Polly and talks about her little girl and what it's like to be a mother missing her daughter. He fakes out feeling bad at first and then relishes in telling Alice that Polly squealed like a pig when he slit her throat. (laughs) Yuck. Alice loses it and starts punching the guy and saying saying she'll kill him. Betty has to haul her out of there screaming. At home, they try and figure out what to do with him. Betty thinks that maybe if he thinks he's going to die, then maybe he'll talk. Alice actually wants Betty to kill him and gives her permission to do so. Betty says she wants to try one more thing and she goes and asks him to tell her about Polly. He says no and she says fine I'm going to start tearing you apart bit by bit then. He then asks a bunch of like really specific questions about Polly that are all true uh, and she says yeah do you remember her and he says no. So Betty then is very upset has a flashback to TBK saying the same thing that she just said to Martin and she goes to grab her chainsaw but when she comes back he's already dead. He bit off his own tongue and swallowed it. She goes home and tells Alice that he's dead but she doesn't think that he's the only one killing women on the lonely highway. They decide that they both feel better believing Polly's killer to be dead, but that the search isn't over. (laughs) So Cheryl shows the painting of Betty and is like, this is inspired by my cousin Betty. (laughs) And she's like, who's the monster? The one she's hunting or her herself? And like, that's great. But once again, like if I looked at that painting, I'd be like, ah, yes, is she the monster or the person that she has is the monster? You know, like it's just a, it's a bit of a reach unless you're talking to the artist, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So Tabitha's really scared about this. Betty still doesn't want to give him to the authorities because he need, she wants to get the info about Polly out of him. So Tabitha, I think you should get out of this. You don't need to be part of this anymore. Um, if I was Tabitha, I'd be like, great, goodbye now. <laughs> um, but she's like, if you need backup, like, please call me um, because I don't want any other girls dying and including you. I think she means especially you, am I right? Ladies? <laughs> So she's taken him to the garage where she teaches, like the shop, the, the auto shop. 
basically. And she uses a car's headlights as like the interrogation lamp. It's very creative and I think it's very cool. Yeah. I liked it a lot. Um, and she's like, hi, I'm Betty. What's your name? And he's like, Martin. And she's like, no, that's the license you've been using. But Martin Tucker has been dead for 50 years. So it's interesting that he's using a fake license because that's what they've been documenting with the wild foxes. They take exactly. their license and they document all these things. And now, she, now she's realizing that Whoever this is, if there are more of them, they're likely also not using real licenses, so none of this means anything. Mm -hmm. So she's like, I'm with the FBI. And he's like, well, why am I not in jail then? I'd like my phone call. I have rights. And she's like, you don't have rights in the United States because you're in Riverdale. (laughs) Is that legal? No. No, nothing that she's doing is legal, no. But, like, (laughs) if Riverdale's unincorporated, it's still in the States, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, she's, that, this is just, like, a dramatic thing she said. Okay. It's not, like, uh, international waters. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's exactly what I was likening it to. Yes, yes. That's what Betty is doing, too, but, Mm -hmm. like, but that's not, that's not it. Um, Someone's gonna come on here and tell us that actually you don't have rights in an uncorporated. Okay, like, interesting. Sure. Please tell no, me. I'm like, you know what? Please educate me. Mm-hmm. I'm so uneducated. Yeah. <laughs> Same. And so she's like, well, killers of women do not have rights. And um, it reminds me of when Penelope was like, no, it's not killing people, it's killing men. I'm like, sure. I'm, I'm not like, killing men. I'm killing boys. Yeah. Right. We love a we love a Jennifer's body reference. Yeah. So she's like, no one's gonna be here. It's a long weekend. So first of all, no one is here, and also no one can hear you scream except for Jughead's AA meeting. Yeah. I'm like, does the shop have soundproofing? And then I was know. like, maybe because it's a shop. Yeah. Um. And he's like, oh, so are you just like one of those people who like catches men and likes it? And she doesn't say no. Like, what in the promising young woman? She like, <laughs> but 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 she doesn't say no. She's just like, well, anyway. I'm like, well, tell it, say no, right? No, it's her hobby. And so he's like, why are you doing this? Because of your ex? And it's like, no, it's because of the trash bag killer. Yeah, it's because you kill people and that's not cool. Mm -hmm. And she's like, okay, I'll be back. Bye. And so she goes to get the girl's files with their pictures and everything. She shows them to him. And I'm not sure which one was the girl that Dr. Curl Jr. autopsied. Um, cause he talked about how she had like braces or something and I can't remember exactly what oh, he said, but, yeah. um, they found one of them. Also, Squeaky is not here on this list cause no one knows that she was missing. And, you know, when we saw her at the beginning of, or I guess at the end of 504, we didn't really know Tabitha yet. And so yeah. now thinking about the fact that Tabitha actively knew her personally and thought, and like was friends with her, it's so sad that she like doesn't even know that this happened to her friend. She's got to find out at some point, but... I'm kind of wondering if the writers kind of forgot about her. I think she will because today, as we're recording this, we got a um, like a an episode blurb for episode five seventeen, and one sentence in it is: "After learning that a friend has gone missing, Tabitha enlists help from Jughead and Betty to investigate oh! the disappearance." And so I think this is justice for Squeaky. I think excellent. Okay, I would love for them to bring it back. I'm not so mad hope, at that. I hope that's what it is. So she mentions Mary Catherine Avery, who went home, uh, missing two years ago. Last time she was seen was waiting. To tables in Seaside. Nicole Houston was one year ago and she was hitchhiking to Canada. Nicole, my friend, we don't hitchhike. Mm-mm. We don't do that. Honey. No. In Mm-mm. 2021, we do not hitchhike. No, no. It was one year ago, so it was 2020. I understand. <laughs> 2020 was a rough year, but we still don't hitchhike. Thank you. Don't do that. And then she shows Polly Cooper, which was last summer. And he's like, mm, I thought I knew her, but never mind, I don't. And then she shows Allison McCall, and he's like, ooh, I couldn't forget her pretty face. And I'm like, if you if she was showing them in order, did Allison McCall go missing after Polly? 
I thought Polly was the latest one. Or maybe this was just a mistake. Um. Just because it was like two I think years. It's, it's, it's gotta be a mistake. Yeah, because it was like two years, one year, last summer, and then she said Allison, but she didn't say how long ago that was. I think she's also trying to um, mix Polly in there so it right. doesn't sound like she she's got any much. connection to yeah. Polly. Um, and so he tells her where he buried her, but uh, when she gets back, she's like, ah, it was dog bones. Um, and it's pretty funny because he says that she's a, she was a real bitch. Ha ha ha. Very fun pun. <laughs> So basically, he's just trying to waste her time. Oh, for sure. Um, he's absolutely Yankee country. And I did want to say that this guy who is playing evil trucker man is great. I think that he's great. I think he's doing a really good he's, job. He's very menacing. Yeah. he he. I believe it. I yeah. think he's great. But I just wanted to say that I would die to see Richard Harmon play this role. Uh, yeah. I said that he looked like Richard Harmon last week, and now it's just like, oh, yeah, he totally looks like Richard I Harmon. would die to see Richard Harmon play this role. Yeah. If you guys don't know, Richard Harmon played John Murphy on The 100, and John Murphy was my favorite character. And I have met Richard, uh, like, four or five times, and he's a lovely person who could definitely pull it off, and he's very special. <laughs> he's, he's, he's a nice man. He's very nice, and he, and this is his exact typecast. Yeah. I would have Holy. loved to, to see him do it. Uh, Robin did look up the IMDb, though, and this guy was, um, the older version of, what was his name? Miles? On Bly Manor. <gasps> oh my god! Yeah, the, like, the, Duh. yeah. Um, he has a pretty extensive IMDb, to be honest. Basically all of the Vancouver stuff. He was on, like, a couple episodes of Supernatural, like, all those sort of things. All the things. Um, and he was also in two episodes of The Hundred. <laughs> um, but he was just in the background for mm. those. Oh, alright. Yeah. And so now he knows her last name, and he just kind of guessed because apparently the truckers have been talking about her, because she's, like, this, just this insane woman who is, like, going crazy looking for her. Hunting them. Her sister. And I completely understand that everyone else who isn't this evil piece of garbage is like, yo, this random girl is, like, attacking us. Like, you know, we're like, oh... All of these girls need to beware for this one trucker, and all the truckers are like, oh, beware for this blonde this girl. Blonde girl. <laughs> She's really scary. <laughs> He's like, well, I'm not going to tell you information because you'd be like every other woman casting me aside after getting what you want. Okay, gotcha. So now I know exactly yeah. what kind of person you are. So you're an incel. Got it. Got it. Yeah, they just need that one line, and I was like, I completely right. understand. Yeah. Thank you so much. You got a special flavor of misogyny in there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So she's like, why did you start doing this? And he said he wanted to see how it felt. And he said that it felt no different than hunting with his family. So that tells Betty that she thinks there's a bunch of them. But when I was first watching it, I assumed that he meant like, and I think this is what she means, or this is what she understands originally, that he considers these people as animals because like hunting. Yeah, that's exactly animals. what I thought when I first watched it. Yeah. But then when she like reveals later that she's like, I think there's a whole family of them. Like it's really smart of her it's, to have remembered that little piece mm-hmm. that he gave. And it's a uh, smooth writing because at first you don't think mm-hmm. about it until they think think about it. Yeah. Um, and she's like, okay, well, you're killing actual people with families. And he's like, mm, no, yeah, I don't care. He's like, yeah, I don't, that doesn't matter to me. Yeah. It doesn't, uh, yeah, it doesn't matter. So she goes home to go speak to Alice and Alice is doing a cross stitch of the twins. Okay. <laughs> Robin just closed her, uh, iPad. Hello. As the resident embroidery expert. Uh-huh. I'd like to speak with you today about <laughs> cross-stitching. 
So I would first like to preface this by saying that I don't do cross stitch. I do embroidery, but I'm familiar with cross stitch. And uh, this is not great on many different levels. Um, Unless somebody is going to show up and is an actual cross stitcher and is like, actually, Robin, it's fine. Okay. But from my understanding, it's like she has an almost perfect picture. It's totally possible to make a picture into a cross stitch. Um, and it looks like that's what she's done, so, like, that's fine. Um, the thing is that she's, like, going from... It's like she's she's doing it, like, line by line, when what you would probably be doing is, like, color by color. Oh! Um, so it wouldn't be, like, a perfect picture, and she's just, like, making her way across the picture. It would likely look like Oh, yeah, because like that's pixels. a lot of switching. Yeah, it would kind of look like pixels, uh, or else it's just a massive waste of thread. I mean... So that's what... It, so that was my first complaint. And then... On the back, you can see, she like holds it up a little bit, you know, it's like milliseconds, but I'm like, excuse mm-hmm. me, I see the back of your embroidery there, or your cross stitch <laughs> there. And it looks as if she did it color by color. Like it looks like she did it the way that you would do a cross stitch. Okay. But on the front, she didn't do it the way that you would do a cross stitch. Those are my deeply detailed complaints about this cross stitch prop. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for your time. I like that we have a similar hobby, though. I don't think this is accurate exactly to how you would do that hobby, but I like that we have that in common. Yeah. So Betty's like, hey, mom, um, I did trap a man. I I trapped a man, and I'm wondering if you talk to him about Polly, maybe he'll finally see her as a person and tell us stuff about her. Hey, Uh, idiot. (laughs) You think? I think so, yeah. Horrible. Tell me more. Well, like, you don't... This is... uh, No. (laughs) It's just... Really, you don't do this at the interrogation stage. Like, well, that's because she's not an actual police officer. I know, that's why it's bad. Because, like, why would you traumatize Alice mm-hmm. like this? Like, I know Alice thinks that she wants to go do this, but, like, this is very traumatic. And it ends very badly. And then, secondly, like, it's, this guy's just going to make it worse. He's not, it, you're not going to get the thing that you want from him. Yeah. Like, I guess she just doesn't know that yet. Yeah, I, I guess, but, like, it, it's, it would not be worth it to me to traumatize my own mother. Mm-hmm. Okay. I guess, like, my main, like, takeaway from it was that it was, like, you know, when you're in, like, some sort of, like, hostage situation and they tell you to tell the person about yourself and about your family and humanize yourself so that someone doesn't shoot you. You know what I mean? Yeah, but it, it, it's different that you're, like, introducing a deep trauma to a victim in order to coerce humanity out of a murderer. Right. I'm not, I'm not even, like, putting the fact that it's traumatic to Alice in my mind, my main question is, would this have worked on somebody? Depends on the person, I guess. I don't know. I guess she just doesn't know him well enough to know if that would have worked or not. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so she goes and talks to him and shows, like, pictures of her at 10 years old. She said she loved to dance and swim and she was a baton twirler. And he says that Polly cried as he killed her, which is... Uh, confession, yep. and I'm not sure why we're not filming or recording that. Exactly. Not that it matters because he's dead now. Mm-hmm. Um, so Alice straight up attacks and punches him, and I can't help but support her for that. So we're like, okay, so that didn't work. Mm. <laughs> wow. What if we get him to believe that he will actually die? And Alice is like, I know how we can do that. Just kill him. Yeah. <laughs> Just pull the trigger, Piglet. My problem here is you want your daughter to be an actual murderer, 
Like, she already has the serial killer gene. I could, I can't imagine telling somebody that I love being like, hey, you should murder a person. And then, like, knowing that they murdered a person. Do you guys remember in, like, Prisoner of Azkaban or whatever, where, like, I can't remember if it's, like, like, Remus stops Sirius from killing Peter because he doesn't want Sirius to be a murderer? Mm-hmm. Or, like, something like that. It just, that, that's what it kind of reminded me of. Like, I can't imagine being like, yeah, kill him. And just, like, putting that on Betty, knowing that she killed a person, even yeah. if he was, like, that bad. Yeah, just pop off. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't, uh, no. So I'm really glad that she didn't end up killing him because I didn't want, I don't think Betty has actually done any actual murdering in this show and I wouldn't want her to be that person. Yeah. So Alice is like, whatever, it'll just be like comforting to know that the killer of Polly is dead and I give you permission as your mother. And I'm like, uh, how about the police? Yeah, I mean, um, at any point, at any gonna, point. Are we going to get permission from the police to murder a person? Because it feels like maybe we won't be doing that. Uh, no. And so she's going to go and she's going to test to see if he's TBK, basically, first. And so she says that she's accepted that Polly is dead and so just telling where her body is. And he's like, mm, why would I do that? <laughs> and she's like, I'm going to torture you. And she uses the same words that the trash bag killer used on her, but it doesn't seem like he has any, like, recognition of that. And so that basically, there goes that theory. It was a very cool theory, though, that you, you brought up, and I yes. hadn't even thought about that. I loved it. I thought it was great. Thank you. And I also love that Betty also had that theory. Yeah. That so was cool. It was, like, somewhere on the right track there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he stops her from describing this just act of terror, mm-hmm. and he's like, okay, okay, did she have blue eyes and infinity tattoo and also sometimes go by Patty? And she's like, oh my god, yes. And he's like, mm, yeah, I don't know her. That's a special fl- special flavor of evil. <laughs> yeah. And Betty's like, okay, well, I was just saying those things, but now I'm going to go get my chainsaw and actually do them. Yeah. So she goes to get the chainsaw, and I was like, is it not the same one? Is there just like a chainsaw in the school? Like, why would well, we have a chainsaw? And I was like, this has to be the same one. She's in the it shop. It has to be the same one. Oh, she's in the shop, though. Yeah. Sure. Did she stash his chainsaw in the shop? Or do they have a chainsaw? I can't see what I can't see I, them allowing to have a chainsaw in yeah, a school. They would have a table saw. Yeah. In shop yes. class. Yeah, but maybe not a but chainsaw. Probably right. not a chainsaw, so it's probably his it chainsaw. It has to be yeah. the same chainsaw. So she gets back and he's dead. <laughs> and apparently he bit off his own tongue and choked on it. And I have to say, there's no way that happened in the time that she was gone. I straight up thought she was gonna come back and he was like shot. It, yeah. yeah, like shot by someone else or like when I or first like saw strangled it. strangled himself somehow. Yeah, when I first saw it, it was like he had blood all down his mouth and so I thought that either he had somehow gotten a gun and was able to shoot himself in the yeah. bo- in the bottom of the head mm-hmm. or someone else was able to do that, but god, imagine being so, like I mean I guess what she said really scared him enough that he was like, I'm going to bite off my own tongue. I guess. God. Yeah, there's no way this happened in that time. There's just no way. And so she's like, well, we'll know more once Dr. Curdle Jr. gets back to us. And she's like, do you feel better now that he's dead? And Alice is like, honestly, yeah, because we, you know, he could have just continued hurting people. And so yep. we probably saved some people. Mm-hmm. And Betty's like, I don't know, because I think that there's more than one. And it seems like maybe his family is hunting together. So yeah. Yeah. Ugh. I was happy to see Alice for more than like mm-hmm. half a second. You know, Machen was like, yeah, can I bring myself in? Yeah. Can I actually do something? for a change. <laughs> yeah. Alright, so that's the episode, Um, and now we're gonna do our segments. So my first segment is, which character needs a hug the most? And I'm gonna give it to Alice. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Especially being literally traumatized. Yeah. Oof. And uh, my first segment is, what is Sam shipping the most? Uh, Babitha? Where's Babitha? Yeah. 
I want to say Babitha. Archie and Jackson are also an option. <laughs> I find Jackson so dull. I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's okay. It's literally just about Archie f- being in love with a man. I'm yeah. just waiting. I, I miss... Uh, Mad Dog. Monroe. I no, I was like, I know his name is Mad Dog, but he said he didn't like going by Mad Dog. Monroe. Then I couldn't remember it. I, I just miss Ma- Monroe. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Bring him back. <laughs> what has he been doing over seven years? He has to be back from Notre Dame now. Is he a big <laughs> football star? Can we see him on TV? What's he up to? Please. <laughs> that would be cool. Yeah. Go with me here. Okay. Dorothea. Not Dorothea. Is Which one is it? Whoa. No, the... Tis the Damn Season? No, the other one. Is it Dorothea? Dorothea and Tis the Damn Season yeah. go together, yes. Dorothea, but it's like Archie wow. singing about Mad Dog. Yeah. Hmm. Got shiny friends since you left town. <laughs> and my segment is which MILF was most badass? I guess Alice. Yeah. Yeah. She, she did beat the she crap did, out of her daughter's yeah. killer. I just like feel so bad for the trauma, but yeah. 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 I think she's the only one other than like Nana Rose. <laughs> Who's uh, around? Uh, Nana Rose is not a MILF. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> she is a mother, though. <laughs> True. Um, and Tony's back next episode, so you have more options. Finally. Exactly. Uh, my other segment is, is Chick dead or what? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> my other segment is, uh, did anyone mention FP? And honestly, no. At this point, he's dead to me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, now that I know that um, in canon, he has broken Alice's heart. I'm not interested in this man anymore. And exactly. in canon, he doesn't, like, reach out to Jughead in seven yeah. years to help him at all? Like, what was your dad at the launch party? Yeah. Where was he? Do you only care about Jelly Bean's mental health? Yeah. Uh, are you dead? <laughs> Honestly. Well, like, uh, whatever. Like, is he dead? Uh, I think they specifically said he wasn't dead, so yeah. that if they ever had the option to bring him back, they could. When would that happen? I don't know. Mm. I, I, We're almost at season six. God. Skeet, Skeet has made some choices, and, um... I don't support them. I don't support any of them. Yeah. I think he, he made some poor choices. Yeah, yeah, I agree, I agree, I agree, I agree, I agree, I agree. And I am, uh, and I personally am suffering for his bad choices. His mistakes, yeah. yes. <laughs> and now it's time for our best line award. My best line award goes to Nana Rose, and then also kind of Reggie for... Hey, man. For Nana Rose saying amen, and then also, like, Reggie's little wink at her. It's mostly going to be great in gift form when I make it. <laughs> yeah. It'll be very cute. And uh, mine goes to Betty for... You're not in the United States anymore. You're in Riverdale. You're in Riverdale. Because it was so stupid. <laughs> Uh, just because it's not a town anymore doesn't mean it's not part of the United States. Well, it's, like, just a bunch of places that aren't towns. Like, every random field in Kansas or whatever is, <laughs> like, just a blank spot and like, <laughs> the U.S. doesn't exist. Like, maybe so. Okay. We're far enough out in the woods that I can kill you and get away with it. Yeah. Uh, and now it's time for our trailer thoughts. So this is the um, little blurb for the trailer. Um, first of all, the this episode was directed by Maidchen. Next episode is directed by Robin Givens, who played Sierra, and so Sierra will also be in the episode, as far as I understand. Or maybe she was just in all of the behind-the-scenes pictures because yeah, she directed it. I'm not 100% sure, because she's it would, not in the trailer. It would make sense, though, if she were back, because mm-hmm. it's a Josie episode. Right, exactly. Yeah. And then, also, later this season, Natalie Bolt uh, directed an episode. So I love all, awesome. of, all of the moms of Riverdale being like, I'd like to direct an episode, please. And they're like, okay. okay. So I love that. Um, this is the blurb for the next episode. After going MIA during the middle of 
of her world tour, megastar Josie McCoy returns to Riverdale unexpectedly, but it's not until she reunites with her former bandmates Valerie and Melody that she opens up about the real reason why she's back. Elsewhere, Veronica gets creative after a surprise visit from her old friend Alexandra Cabot, which is the character on Katie Keene that I was talking about. Finally, Tony steps in to help Tabitha and Veronica land a deal. So, great. I hope that I can follow this. Yeah. Because I haven't seen Katie Keene. Yeah. I know people who have seen Katie Keene who can help us if we uh, okay. don't. Um, I forgot to write notes about the trailer, so I'm really quickly just going to uh, go through it. Uh, so Kevin says, look who's visiting, and it is Josie. And so she hugs Archie. She drinks champagne with Val and Melody. Um, she goes through some uh, papers. They're performing. And it look yeah, at the White Worm, it looks like Tabitha's really freaking pumped, and Cheryl is here as well, and Veronica. Um, they have a, it is, oh my god, I'm so excited. They have a tour bus that is like, looks like a pussycat, like, tour bus. It's very cool. And I just wanted to talk really quickly about, um, a certain character who is in this episode. (laughs) So, months ago, we got a behind the scenes picture of this episode. And there was, I, you know, I could recognize basically everybody in the picture except for this one person who was in the back who was wearing a fedora and holding up a Josie and the Pussycat sign. And when I zoomed in, I said, that could be Dr. Curdle Jr. It sure could. I said that months ago. Yes, okay, did. I'm pretty sure I tweeted about it, so you guys could find the receipts if you want. And now this character is in the trailer, and we see him running up against the tour bus, and I'm pretty sure this is Dr. Curdle Jr. I'm obsessed with that. I thought that I was kidding. I thought that I was, uh, that this was a, a stupid funny thing that I said, that Dr. Curdle Jr. is actually just a huge Josie McCoy stan. Like, why are you that um, TikTok sound? Like, it started out as a joke, but guys, I don't think it's a joke anymore. I don't think anymore. it's a joke anymore. I, I'm pretty <laughs> sure this is Dr. Curdle Jr., and, like, it has to be. I am thrilled. Honestly, I am absolutely thrilled. congrats on getting your man back. I'm just, I'm just happy that he ha- he contains multitudes, you know? Yeah, He's course. like, I don't just cut up dead bodies, I also love pop music. Like, <laughs> I just love that for him. You know what? He's getting some character development. I love it! Rick, yeah. you got, hey, where's a fedora? <laughs> we can't support that, but that's okay. No, we can't. No. Yeah, it's exciting. And then, uh, Josie's kissing Sweet Pea again, which I am really excited for the wrap-up of that, um, because the Josie and Sweet Pea story line is really interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah. Archie smiling, Josie talking. I'm excited. Yeah, looking forward to it. Josie's gonna be like, so I missed out on a lot. Yeah. When did Jughead get rabies? Yeah, exactly. Tell me more about these rabies. Yeah, Jughead isn't even in the trailer. What is he? Like, I, I think that he's just like, he's like, sorry, I just go to AA meetings now. Cole was like, I don't want to be in this season. Yeah. So thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. Thank you so much to Emily for um, hanging out in her room while we finish the end of this podcast. We appreciate her so much. And we finished quickly so that we could watch Drag Race. Because it's the finale <laughs> and I have not been spoiled. I have. Oh, oh no! But just because someone tweeted it, not because I went and seeked it out. I'm so sorry. That's okay. Okay. Go ahead. If you're so inclined, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Mm-hmm. Or we wherever you like that. Yeah, wherever you listen, mm-hmm. that's fine. Yeah. Um, leave us a review on just tweet about how great we are. And I'll retweet it. <laughs> yeah, please shower me with attention. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, if you're a fan of The 100, we talk about that show too. Um, we have done seasons four to seven as they were airing. So those are spoiler free. Um, and then we are going back to do the first three seasons with spoilers kind of as a catharsis for how that... How that show messed how us up. That 
happened. So right now we're doing season three and we're it's going backwards. mental illness, love. Yeah, so, um, <laughs> so you can join us over there if you want. If you're a fan of Stranger Things, we like to talk about that show too. Uh, we are almost done season three mm-hmm. and we'll be all caught up before season four comes out. Um, it's one of my favorite pods to talk on. I think we're geniuses. I think we're geniuses, I think we are. Uh, And speaking of uh, podcasts in which we are geniuses on, uh, (laughs) we also talk about Lost. Um, It is one of the best television shows of all time, and so we have to have one of the best podcasts of all time about it. (laughs) Um, It is our longest, most big brain podcast, um, and it's spoiler-free, so you can uh, watch with us along for the first time if you want. I would be thrilled. It's my favorite show ever. And um, we also have guests over there, so uh, definitely go and check it out. If you're a fan of Star Trek, we like to talk about that whole franchise. We uh, covered season one of Star Trek Picard, and now we're going to be covering season two whenever it comes out. Yes. You can follow the Fictionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, Redbubble, YouTube, pretty much everywhere that you can follow people, you can do that. Um, <laughs> we're mostly on Twitter, but Robin does make gifts for our favorite line awards if you want those. Like, we we put out all of these, and I'm just like, I only post to two places. <laughs> yeah. I, it's hard. Um, <laughs> uh, our Patreon, like I said earlier, is patreon.com slash theaficionados. If you like what we do here, please consider donating because it is expensive. Um, please feed my puppy. Thank you. Uh, and you can follow me on Twitter at, at Sam Casey's, which is S-A-M-C-A-S-E-Y-S. You can follow me on Twitter at Afritania, which is the R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. And you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey, that's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y, pretty much everywhere. The next episode is episode 515 of uh, Riverdale. It is called Return of the Pussycats. What that's a reference to? Nothing. I don't know. Uh, it didn't say on the wiki, and it usually does. So, um, I think it's just talking about how the pussycats have returned. They do do this occasionally where it's just it not a reference nothing, to yeah. things. But, uh, <laughs> so yeah, um, looking forward to it. Talk to you next week. Woohoo! Okay, love you, bye! Okay, love you, bye! Okay, love you, bye.